Welcome to Pilots with Shmi and Riker. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And we are just a couple of nerds who watch entirely too much TV and didn't want all that training and hard work and focus and practice to go to waste. So we made a podcast about it. Each week we watch and review the pilot episode of shows that made it to series on the merits of the pilot as a standalone episode and give it a pass or fail grade as successful or unsuccessful. A successful pilot is one that immediately leaves you wanting to come back for more. And an unsuccessful pilot, well, if you've ever tried to get a friend to binge one of your favorite shows but need to qualify it first with give it a few episodes before you're hooked, probably a good example of an unsuccessful pilot. We try to keep our scoring objective, so we analyze what makes a successful pilot and boiled it down to four essential criteria. Does it clearly establish the genre? How well does it introduce the main characters? Is the overarching plot clearly defined? And does it end with a hook that makes us want to come back for more? Now, our scoring might be objective, but we are not. After all, we are opinionated nerds bullshitting about our favorite TV shows and the shows that we love to hate. Maybe you agree with us. Maybe you think we're way off base. Turns out that discussion is exactly what we're here for. So please tell us all about it in the comments. This is Pilots. It's Season 1, Episode 1 of Pilots, and today we are reviewing the episode that inspired the show, How I Met Your Mother. It's a show that uh, we bonded over at the beginning of our friendship, Shmi and I, um, and seemed like a logical jumping off point, and not, not merely because we hold it in high esteem, but because we consider it uh, kind of a gold standard in a successful pilot. Definitely one of the greats. Mm-hmm. It just it just accomplished everything well, which is our four categories: uh, introducing the characters, number two, the premise or establishing the genre, mm-hmm. uh, number three, the plot, <laughs> uh, the plot as in where are we going from here. Yes, the plot of the series as a whole, uh, and number four leaves you wanting more you know exactly why you want to yeah the hook uh you know exactly what you're coming back for next week and it ends on that point that you think oh man i kind of want to see episode two really really bad right now in fact i feel like anytime i watch episode one the pilot of how i met your mother i inevitably think "Uh, don't touch the remote we should probably just keep this rolling or the next one absolutely that's how i ended up binging it most recently was you know in preparation for this i ended up watching all nine seasons because i was like oh well that was fun you watch all nine (laughs) seasons that fast i'm unemployed man i work from home like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you want we don't call it unemployed we call it recently furloughed recently that's true that's true recently furloughed either way i feel like i'm at home a lot and you know when the days all blend blur in, you know, time no longer matters and you realize it's 4 a.m. and you're still watching. So like <laughs> yeah, TV is kind of a weak spot for you anyway. You should really probably is. open your windows now and then. We do. Yeah. Oh, you do. OK. The, so I realize the reason that we don't is that we don't have blinds. And oh. so I feel like there's no privacy in our home um, that people can just, you know, peer in and see whatever I'm doing. So if I decide I need to walk around the house naked to go grab, you know. 
my shirt's in the dryer. It's on the other side of the house. I'm inevitably going to walk through two window, like past two windows where mm. people are. When you get there. another job again in the future, you should buy a second shirt. Oh, I mean, like, you know, you're picky. When that one shirt that you have is in the dryer. (laughs) I'm not going to put on clothes to go to the other side of my house to grab the clothes that I want. Like, there's always, like, the one shirt you want. And I'm not going to put on, like, a temporary shirt to go to the other side. I just want wines. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I want the light without having to give up the privacy. That's Mm -hmm. all. It's a fundamental lack of privacy. Yeah, so we're going to work on window treatments. It turns out that's something my house is sorely lacking. Got some coming myself. Okay. But back to the <laughs> back to my binging behavior. Yeah, no, this was a right. great one and uh yeah, the pilot hooked me. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh category, the first category that we review uh establishing the characters or introducing the characters, we should say. Sure. Um you have first Ted, Ted. and Marshall, mm-hmm. right? Ted and Marshall are hanging out. Um then Barney on the phone. I believe you got a Barney on the phone. Mm. I'm not positive. I can't remember exactly the lineup of how you introduce them. I believe so because he makes that kind of gross comment about Lebanese girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asian girl. Like I have to say that. Half was Asian girls and Lebanese girls and Lebanese girls are the new half Asian girls. That's what it was. Right. Which was hilariously douchey in its immaturity at the time. And today you can be watching it in your house alone and you're looking over your shoulder like, is this okay? Uh, yeah. You didn't. <laughs> Nobody saw me watching this. <laughs> I will say, it 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 was in poor taste or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really did appreciate the follow up in the cab in the pilot episode where he's like, "Oh, Ranjit," <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I'm from Bangladesh." He's like, "Oh, are the women there attractive?" And he shows them the, the picture. He's like, "This is my wife." Yeah, a simple note would have sufficed. <laughs> 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 it was so great. I mean, like it was—he's a douchey character, but he definitely is funny, amusing, mm. and brings kind of a lighthearted nature to it. Uh, that's true. And you know what I like about the show? What I've mm. always liked about the show, and the reason that I oh, controversial talk, don't like the show Friends. Uh, <sighs> I feel like all the characters, well, sitcoms or a modern sitcom, mm-hmm. as that character that's the token idiot. Oh, who yeah. always says the really obvious dumb thing. Oh, right, because they're dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's every single character in Friends. Uh, and what I liked about How I Met Your Mother, and similarly, genre, the friendship show, the Friends in an Apartment show, doesn't. there's no token idiot character. And I guess Barney is maybe the closest it gets in uh, reliably consistent (laughs) in his shallowness which isn't even true as the show goes along but anyway there's no character here that's that's like a just all-around dummy all the time no there are times where i will say marshall goes naive on the verge of but like it is definitely to encapsulate how adorably just naive he is and midwesterny yeah sort of like innocent and polite Definitely. It's definitely supposed to speak more to his background. I mean, it is a sitcom, so you're going to get kind of some over-the-top characters anyways. Like, you know, anything is... Exactly. It's all going to be exaggerated. Well, so you get the three guys first. And Mm -hmm. what I actually noticed this time... We're watching the show recently, because it had been a couple years. Is that there are no men in the show. Like, at best, you get boys. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe because we were 10 years younger at the time, maybe it felt like characters, you know, they were slightly older than us. 
10 years older than us, but they were that just sitcom character age yeah. uh, where you can look at them as, you know, like early grown-ups that are really heading into the meat of their lives, getting married, really getting into their career. Uh, but for some reason today, I, I find it kind of irritating. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I just find it irritating that between like the three, really the five of them, like like how immature I found them at the beginning of it. And I still love it and I still think they're great and all that, but but there's the I maybe it's because TV is has gone on to to really produce some really exciting like adult dramas and things like sure. that today. Even adult come like Grace and Frankie, right? That gets uh, that really yes. gets deep. Mm-hmm, and does. and I think maybe it was the era that it came out of that I look back at it now. I think, wow, they're really they're kinda just immature and shallow in a lot of ways and sure. all the time. But I think we're maybe drifting a little bit already. Uh, we see the, those three first, I think, mm-hmm. and then Lily comes in and she's really hammy and hilarious and she's got the booby artwork yes. from the preschoolers, <laughs> which is so funny. Hilarious, uh-huh. yeah. And she's, she's got just such a spunky personality that I feel like she was known for at the time between American Pie and, and Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> yeah. So she's always got just a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm, you know, definitely. And, and she's always... She's got a good like energy. Plays it like borderline stupid, but she's not. And then she's like highly sexual. Yeah, she's a very she's yeah. It's the band yeah. camp nerd thing going on. That's it. The like the like the. I don't want to use I don't want to use the word slutty, but for lack of a better word right now, like she's got the slutty nerd thing, like the highly sexually active. She's the adventurous, experienced. She's this. <laughs> okay, let's start over so you cut that right out. <laughs> nope. She's the. <laughs> sexually experienced nerd like out of the bunch yeah definitely and then we meet robin right in time for a a commercial break sure yeah Yeah. and i I really enjoyed our introduction to her you know it was the first Mm -hmm. of many of barney's games have you met ted oh (laughs) yeah there's so many things in the first episode that are introduced right away that are just mainstays for the rest of the show oh absolutely like between that and suit up yes did we get a legendary? I don't remember. Oh, my goodness. It's littered throughout. I mean, you would have to think so. I don't remember it being in there, though. Mm, I feel like we did. I think I feel like I remember it in a cab cab ride. Well, I don't know. Ooh, Somebody that is it. one part that I that I sped through in my quick rewatch. <laughs> but quick I was like, mm, I feel like I remember most of this stuff. Here's what I feel the most fuzzy on. Mm. You know, having binged it so recently, I'm like, wait, what was strictly in the pilot? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so you get Robin right before the commercial break and right there, Mm -hmm. you've just met all the characters. Yes. You've got this sort of exotic girl from, you know, a different country, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, who are you talking (laughs) about? (laughs) Exotic She's new to town. (laughs) She's new to town. Right. And we don't know who she is yet. I mean, we know we've got the core four Mm -hmm. that have known each other forever. Maybe Barney a little bit less, but there's already a relationship there. Which is the only, which is the unique thing about Robin, in that she's not part of the crew already. This is we meet her meeting them. Sure. Um, and there's no, not necessarily a suggestion we're going to keep seeing more of her, even right until the last few minutes of the pilot. There's, oh yeah. You're not positive that she's going to be sticking around. She might be the love interest of the week. And then we got a Seinfeld kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but. Knowing what we know, even by the end of the episode, Robin's there to stay. So in the very first um, act of the show, 
we get all the characters and I thought they were really brilliantly established. They were, yeah. And they had they feel like they had a really great chemistry. Like the very beginning of, of Ted and Robin. I mean he mm-hmm. he has her throw a drink on you know, lets her throw a drink yeah. on him to kind of score points with the girlfriend that she's at the bar with, you know, she just got dumped. Yeah. You know, hating on men. That's kind of how it goes when you're with your girlfriends at the bar. I'll let you throw a drink in my face. Oh, it was so darling. I loved it. Here's my phone number. So it started from the beginning with this like, hey, we can be fun. We can be playful Mm -hmm. um, relationship. Yeah. So true. And I think that's probably the the core thing that made the show successful was in the show successful. Not even just the pilot, which Mm -hmm. is, of course, what we're talking about here. What made the whole show successful was the chemistry of the core five and uh the core five never changed the entire series the core five never changed no new characters are added as as uh, regular characters nobody leaves very unusual and it kind of gives you the sense that the actors must have and i don't know this to be true but you get the sense from that show that the actors love each other as much as the characters do yeah like it's a family on set. Yeah, because like the fun that you're seeing them have on TV, on screen, is the fun that they were having on camera. And uh, and I think that's why... And, and, and their little quirks, I feel like, are really uniquely established. You know, Ted is already the love-struck, like, doughy-eyed. I just want to find the woman of my dreams so bad. Someday my prince will come. Uh, <laughs> Marshall and Lily, the couple... Uh, actually, this is heading into how they stack up in in the the theme, the love theme that mm-hmm. the show is always circling around. Barney's the consummate bachelor, you know, player. Oh yeah, uh, she's the career woman, and Ted's the hopeless romantic. Then you got the mature relationship. So everybody's roles established in a really, really clear way. Pretty well, yeah. And and they definitely have a very strong chemistry from the start, like I Big said. Time. So, yeah. um, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed the the very beginning of Marshall and Lily's relationship. I kind of wrote down a quote on the floor. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I told Ted we wouldn't do that from Marshall, and she says, "Did you know there's a pop tart under your fridge? No, but dibs." <laughs> like that was so them. Like it just yeah. And very, Lily's so cool. She really is. Like it's easy. She's it, one of the guys. Exactly. And it's just easy to be with her. Like you could see why you could see why Marshall loves her. You could see why Ted admires them. Yeah, why he would be both of their friends, not mm-hmm. just, you know, that's my best friend's girlfriend. It's like, hey, that's one of my best friends. Right. And I'm trying to think of some of the funny, you know, sexual jokes she's making when she gets in into the house. In the way that she's always like she's always kind of giving Ted advice to just sort of go for it. Yeah, definitely. You know, so he's got this great support group. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like the, that phrase, but this great um what do you call it? Support network. So, yeah. With these with these people that are really dear to him. And then we I, we just feel it right away. Like right away you're sucked into those relationships, you're sucked into those friendships and you love the banter and you love the way they interact and you admire the friendship and it's like you wish that you had a core group like that. You Absolutely. wish that you had a core group that that was that was that tight, and it, it it captures it so well that it makes you feel like everybody's got a core friend group that's that tight, except for me. I feel like I've never experienced that kind oh of love God, and yes, friendship. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, nobody does. Like it, you have a group for a year, you, you remain friends, but you're no longer seeing each other every day. 
And they make jokes later in the show that you guys are totally codependent and unhealthy, and this is like <laughs> really, really weird. <laughs> that, that's true. I forget that they do that, but it does definitely set like an unrealistic expectation if you don't, you know, mm. think about the fact that it's not reality yeah. at all. That it's, yeah, people don't just. They're not that interconnected. Right. Um, I really like that you could see kind of the full group dynamic um, after Ted's, well, I guess minus Robin, mm-hmm. um, but kind of how everyone gives Ted advice um, when he was asking about the signal um, because yes. he missed the signal if there is a signal. So the debate over whether or not there is a signal. There is no signal. But yeah, that was a but signal. That, but yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole thing was really fun. Just kind of getting the, you know, that you know that Marshall and Lily, like the more grounded ones, yeah. but they're a little bit more on the romantic side. Mm-hmm. I kind of see um, like Ted with Barney on one shoulder and <gasps> Marshall on the other. Good like point. one's his devil and one's his angel. So yeah, they're both like extreme in either direction. Yeah, go for it, banger, bro. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, look in her eyes and tell her you love her <laughs> tenderly. <laughs> give her your olive. There you yeah, go. Give, give her, her your, your olive. olive. I don't remember. Does the olive thing come up later in the show? Um, I believe it does, actually. Um, yes, actually, I do remember. Um, because they talk about the fact that your preferences can change. You may have once not liked olives, and now you do. Right. Of course, for anybody listening who hasn't seen it in a while, the olive theory is uh, that Lily and Marshall are compatible because he hates olives and she loves them. Uh, so anytime he gets served something with an olive, she has the he gives her the olive. But the truth was he loves olives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she asked when on their first date, "Can I? Are you, are you going to eat your olives? No, I hate them. Take them. <laughs> and he had to live with that for which he gladly lived with that for 15 years or however long. Yeah. It was um, and I was, I couldn't remember. They actually resolved it in the pilot, which I thought was really great right. that they addressed it. And that it was like, you know, Barney's putting Marshall on the spot. It's just the two of them. And he's like, you don't like olives? Not at all. Okay. Well, not 79th Bistro right. or whatever. Last week, two weeks August ago. August 16th, 4.37 <laughs> PM. Oddly specific. This time, this date, this plate, <laughs> there was a bowl of olives. This you plate. had some. What up? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no olive there. I was 18, and she wanted my olives. <laughs> I was a virgin. I had waited my whole life for a girl to want my olives. Oh, right. <laughs> so it was really cute. And then, you know, they come in, you know, uh, Lily comes in as a part of that, and he goes, you know, hey, Lily, I love olives. Uh-huh. And she goes, we'll make it work, baby. <laughs> Where, we'll you know, it, it really didn't matter. It's this cute little theory, but in the end, like, eh. That's kind of what it is. You know what's interesting about that? Uh, well, that's I'm taking an interest in that because of things like Slap Bet later in the show, mm-hmm. where where there's these sort of running gags and these inside jokes, but the characters sort of already have inside jokes, mm-hmm. and then they and then they give us new inside jokes, like the blue French horn that kind of comes up throughout the life of the show, um, and they're, it's like it's like the relationships are all just so fully realized already. Yeah. Like they actually have in a you know, a sitcomified version of actual depth, um, where they go back years and the subway sandwiches. Yes. Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> We're getting stoned. <laughs> We're having a <coughs> sandwich. 
Because, of course, he's telling this story to his kids. So, you know, you don't tell your kids, hey, we got stoned a lot in sandwiches. You know, in right. college, we, we had a lot sandwiches. of weed. We ate a lot of sandwiches <laughs> back in lot. those days. Which, you know, that might be true. If you were smoking a lot of weed, you may and have also been eating a lot of Poor sandwiches. college student with the subway nearby. <laughs> true that. Okay, so uh, obviously, without a doubt, this is a very, very successful introduction of, uh, and we've tipped our hand here. We think all of these points are very successful. Sure. But, but you know, it's it's famous for how successfully it established those characters. Uh, and, you know, they really don't deviate. You know, they become deeper and richer and all that, but they really kind of don't deviate. You know when you watch a show later on? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you watch the whole series and you go back to the original or the first season or just the pilot. And it's like, oh, man, that was weird. When you look back at it, like, I can't be- believe I even liked this shit. Like, that was so weird. You look at a Breaking Bad at the beginning of the series and at mm-hmm. the end, it's a completely different show. It is. It used yeah. to be a comedy. Then it became the darkest show that TV had ever seen. And everybody only remembered it for being dark. It used to be so funny, that show. And this one... It grows up a lot, but it grows up as the characters grow up a lot. Um, but it, but they never really deviate from who they are. It's sort of the, the core per personality traits and the people that they developed and the, the characters that they developed and then the, the spin that the actors put on them. It really kind of feels like the, the characters gr- grow up as the actors grow up. I think so too, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that they obviously had the vision for where the show is going from yeah. the very beginning, you know, a nine-season show, they mm-hmm. know where that, like, they recorded the final episode, the kids' part, right? the, the first year. Eight years the, yeah, eight years before. So, you know, the Season fact that they had... when they knew they wouldn't be able to keep bringing the actors back. Exactly, yeah. They'll age... <laughs> mm-hmm. Seeing those kids age 10 years through the course yeah. of the story would have been amusing, but definitely would have kind of broken your mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief. Um well because they saw they did a youtube video the two kids yeah um you know who played ted's kids in the future that he's Mm -hmm. telling the story to from year 2030 do you remember what year it is oh gosh yeah i think it's 2030 yeah okay um yeah so he's telling the story to them and those kids are like they they reprise their role in a youtube sketch Mm -hmm. or i saw it on youtube when it was on the news or something and they were just so old. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were just like 40 years old, which I don't think was true. They were probably like 30. But, you know, it was like 10 years ago now. Yeah, but no, they definitely. <laughs> Those guys are like 50 today. Well, and they aged up quite a bit during, you know, the course of their own acting. Yeah. You know, one, the, the girl ended up being like the side girl on Nikita. Um, oh, I was going to say I was unfamiliar with her. Yeah, she she went on to do Nikita. Um, mm-hmm. She was like Nikita's first girl. Um However, oh. you work that out. Yeah, she was like her sidekick, I guess. Um, oh, her first girl. Yeah, you know, like it's her Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's Batman. The girl's Robin. <laughs> um, and then the guy was Wizards of Waverly Place. Yes, I knew him from that because my cousins loved that. But Wizards oh, of Waverly Place. See, by the time that How I Met Your Mother went off air, I feel like Wizards was. Well, that's not true. I was thinking that was already years in the past. Oh, I know what it was. I, the only Wizards episodes I'd ever seen were with my cousins that were, you know, years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So I just missed the point where they aged. Yeah, no, for sure. You know? And now and then they would still pop up in the show. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, they would just use some old stock footage. Uh, but the kids no longer reacted with Dad telling the story anymore, with Bob Saget telling yeah. the story. <laughs> and um, 
I'm glad we were able to get Bob Saget into this. It would have been a shame if we didn't. We hardly ever talk about Bob Saget when you talk about How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I've literally never talked about Bob Saget in the context of How I Met Your Mother, so thank you. No, right. I only ever talk about him in the context of America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, okay. Yeah. When I'm talking about how Tom Bergeron did it better, obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into number two, I would think. Yeah. Which is... How did we feel like the plot did? Yeah. How did we... Is that what number two is? No, it's not. Establishing the genre. <laughs> You're right. It's totally establishing the genre. Is that what we genre. ended up with? That's how we said it? Mm-hmm. Establishing mm-hmm. the genre. The okay. genre. Yeah. Right. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> where he, So it's set in New York City, modern time, like a sitcomified version of real life, sort of, sort of. Um, but there's not, there's, it doesn't require a huge suspension of disbelief, right? We're watching friends the way they hang out. In a very, you know, quiet bar where people aren't shouting all the time. It's always driven me crazy about that show anytime they're in McLaren's. What about it? It doesn't feel, it feels like you're watching a sitcom. We're sitting at a bar in McLaren's and we're just having casual conversations. So you mean you're not screaming over everybody with loud music playing in the background? That's why whenever I think of How I Met Your Mother and how, why is it that friendships aren't like this in real life? It's like, well, for one thing. You can't meet at a bar and talk. Yeah, you can't do that. You go to a bar and you think, ah, I hate that I'm friends with you people. You always make me do this. Anyway, so you got a New York City modern friendship sitcom. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there it is. There it right? is. Succinct. That's yeah. succinct. Yeah, it, they drove it home pretty well. You understand that the context is it's. You know, mm-hmm. it's being told through a story, so of course you're going to have things that are possibly yes. misremembered or embellished. Embellished. Oh, that was such a good storytelling device for mm-hmm. the show, which you I don't really see in the it. you don't see that in the premiere, um, but or the pilot, I should say. But do you remember? Uh, of course you do, because you saw it the whole <laughs> series last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> the episode where he like Ted gets a porno and he says, you know, and then it somehow he said the craziest thing happened: the porno fell into the VCR. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that was the funniest thing, watching yeah. this. And the porno goes flying around the room, or the sex tape with somebody, I can't remember what it was. Um, So it was, was um, Barney gave away all of his porn. Oh. <laughs> um, Because he was with somebody that I will not spoil, mm-hmm. Um, but it this could be the one. Um, mm-hmm. So he gives away all of his porn to Ted, and Ted, of course, is uninterested until he sees one that says something about architecture. Um, So, of course, he's got to put that porno in. Or rather, he stumbles and it somehow turns into a paper airplane and flies right into the uh, VCR. Right. So <laughs> I don't think it flies right in, does it? Doesn't it oh, go no, around like, the room? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It bounces everywhere. He chases after it. Yeah. So the point is that the uh, storytelling uh, devices or the storytelling device of talking to the kids in the mm-hmm. future allowed for this is just dad telling a story for mm-hmm. it to be really corny like when we find out later everybody smoked during the entire show everybody was a smoker yeah but he left that part out of the story <laughs> <laughs> nobody had quit smoking yet yeah so and then you find those little nuggets that and i think that maybe when the show not that point exactly but like as the show started growing up where where you could look at it in a certain context and think oh okay we actually did see the version that he told the kids and that there were things left out that did sort of make this time in life mm-hmm. uglier because as the show goes on and we've talked a lot about the last season which isn't what we talk about on pilots but um the last season of the show like when he's got to let robin go and she flies off into the sky and mm-hmm. they just dealt with some hard-hitting things that like people really w- that would really change people in yeah. life um but the context with which he talks to the kids 
and then can make some things really corny, like the goat, the thing with the goat. Yeah, and then he remember remembers it in the wrong the year. It was yeah. great. And then he goes, oh, no, the goat was actually about some other thing. Sorry, kids, I totally missed yeah, that. It, it was is his, so funny. He was thinking it was his 30th birthday, and so he's going around trying to court, like add the goat into the story of the 30th <laughs> birthday, and he's like, oh, no, it was my 31st birthday with the goat. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right. You'll hear about that one later. I remember now, though. That was so funny. But see, that was something that was really signature really unique to the format of how i met mm-hmm. your mother yeah i haven't seen anything like it or none other show that they can't yeah. have that kind of sense of humor right um with how they're telling the story and you know so for the the sake of discussing this category in our sure. scoring system um you know how well does it establish the genre of the show uh what i the way i like to think about what we're really getting after here is what is the level of suspended disbelief that's required of us to appreciate the show, to understand the show. And to explain that, <laughs> break down what that means. Yeah, no, I'm getting there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so suspension of disbelief being, if you watch a superhero show, mm-hmm. h- how much do we need to suspend our disbelief of things? Like you're going to look at it and say, okay, this guy's, this guy's uh, flying around the sky, but you know, we're watching Law and Order. Like, we're watching Law and Order, and in this episode, there's a guy flying. But I'm watching Law and Order, and that's not, you know, fitting the, the genre of the show, the premise of the show, in which this is a real-life street crime show. Right? So this show is a sitcom about friends in New York City at a certain time in their lives. Uh, and there's, like we say, it's a sitcomified version of a real-life friendship. But uh, there is some suspension of disbelief required, which usually comes with the territory with a with a sitcom. But since he gets to tell the story back to the kids, we get to suspend our disbelief a little bit more, and we mm-hmm. get to be a lot more flexible with it. Yeah. When they want to throw some stupid, ridiculous curveball at us, like the musical episode, was it an episode that was all musical, or was it just a portion of it? I think just a portion of okay. it. Okay. So when something ridiculous like that happens, it's like yeah, that that actually fits this world because it's just dad telling a story and sometimes stupid stuff happens. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Which was just a fun element that was well utilized and I don't think ever done too gratuitously. No, definitely. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of it. Um, I will say Taylor had a bit more of an issue with it than I did. Who's Taylor? My boyfriend, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend had a bit of an issue with it. Um, He was just like... He didn't understand why they kept... He felt like it was lazy writing in some ways, and I just didn't agree, I guess. I thought it was this fun... It puts Ted in this, like, funny... dad. Like, he makes a dad joke sort of thing. Like, Mm. it really colors who he is and the fact that this really is the lens of a story. Not everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to recount it, you know. Right. I I didn't find it was lazy. I felt like it really made it more realistic as far as the story he was trying to tell. Relatable. Relatable, 100%. Yeah, well, that just goes to show you right there. Taylor can't tell good TV from bad TV. (laughs) I'm not not sure which this one is, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, that's interesting to hear somebody say that. I, uh, I've never heard that before. That's, but see, I like, that's the fundamental immaturity of the show. I feel Mm -hmm. like where it's sort of that, you know, let's let our hair hang loose. Who cares? It's, that's not the important part. If it were a drama, I'd feel like that was lazy writing, yeah. but it's a sitcom. So the the context of the genre, I mm-hmm. think, does make it a lot more 
you know, this is what we're here to do. This isn't a, an accident. We're not being lazy this week. This is the joke we're making. Right, we're exactly. Making. And it was actually developed, you know, established the framework for them to work in that was flexible and and fun, and uh, but clear mm-hmm. in its in its own. I don't think it broke its own rules. Let's put it that way. The sure. show never broke its own rules. And when something's breaking its own rules, or when the w- rules are weak and bringing our attention back to the fact that like, Oh, so we use magic to cure this problem. Huh? Um, that kind of thing never happened here. When that does happen. Yeah. It happened in alias. I think is the, the one that I can really remember where it felt like a CIA show and it felt like a very, you know, a pretty stand. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, dressing up in disguise is already kind of like <laughs> over the top. Like, but she was a superhero, right? Exactly. She's basically a superhero CIA agent. But then mm. you get like this weird mystical element to this, and I'm like, okay, so we're not watching a show based in any sort of reality. Like, I could get that. You know, she's a little too skilled at playing dress up. Um, you know, and that she knows a million languages, etc. That she is a superhero. But then, you know, to actually go on beyond that and be like, no, there's magic in this world. I'm like, I what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Since when? Exactly. Like that was not the suspension of disbelief that I agreed to. This is a different show all of a sudden. It did feel cheap too when it happened. Mm-hmm. Like that I I will say I love Alias, so like no throwing shade there, but I I felt a little startled by it that it was not Oh, so what you're saying is JJ Abrams did something really lame <laughs> and didn't know how to stick the landing. Hmm, shocker. Oh goodness. I'm not throwing shade at JJ Abrams. This is completely Riker's uh thing. <laughs> not in on this man. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) number three, which is uh, the plot, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I I can't remember how we put this in in our design of the in our structure of the show, but the the demonstration of the plot of the show overall, the arc of the show. What is going to be um, when we watch it next week? What we're kind of expecting the mission to be? What's the overarching plot of the Mm -hmm. show? Yeah, how how clear is how clearly defined is the overarching plot of the show? Verbatim, I think that's it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Which is, love. Uh, Ted mm-hmm. is on a long journey of love looking for the woman who is to be the mother of his children. Definitely. Uh, and that person is, to quote you, not Robin. Yep. Who happens to not be Robin. Exactly. That's all we know. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, episode two... Like, are we interested in watching it? Like, that leads to the hook, right? Like, okay, well, now now we're looking at the hook. Now that we understand the plot, do we want to come back here? And uh, the answer is, fuck yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I want to see what happens to these people next. Is Robin coming along with us on the show? It appears that she is, but now that she's just part of the group, they're friends, yeah. what a giant letdown. Now that we know she's Aunt Robin, like definitely part of you is like, wait, how the fuck did that happen? Mm-hmm. What what happened Whoa, here? Whoa, twist. Bazinga. Clearly, it's kind of like when you see the um, an episode, like the teaser of an episode, since you call it a teaser, not a cold open. Um, <laughs> the teaser of it where it's like, you know, they've jumped ahead of, you know, three years or whatever, and you see something pretty crazy going on, and it's like, ah, three years prior, you know. It's kind of one of those. Yeah. Well, it, it was such a subversion of expectations. Mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother, episode one, <laughs> I Meet Your Mother. <laughs> exactly. and, and I think the sitcom landscape that you would have, would have expected at the time that's what it would have been here are all the characters uh here the premise is clearly established now we keep re- not repeating necessarily but we keep uh 
writing variations of that story. And this one had an arc that was really, I think, um, I don't don't know if ahead of its time was the right word, but it was really ambitious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. for, For a sitcom of its time to say... You know, and I remember four years later, people would be talking about the show, or maybe you just see it here and there. And I think I didn't get into it until like season four. I remember I saw it on an airplane the year that uh, Big Bang Theory came out. So whatever season that was, <laughs> <laughs> I think Marshall and Lily were getting married. No, yeah, because they kind of split a little bit for a while, right? Okay. Anyway, spoilers. Oh, I thought people knew the show already. I hope so. Okay. We asked them to watch the pilot, though. <laughs> oh, good point. Um, so, the, <laughs> I can't remember what I was saying now. Um, I apologize. <laughs> Call you out on your shit and just make you forget everything. Yeah, thanks for uh, nothing. I know. Uh, oh, if it come of its time, yes. what an ambitious story. Oh, yeah, you'd be like season four into it, and people mm-hmm. would say, well, have they met the mother yet? And what was interesting was, like 10 million people watched, you know, per episode. And at the time, like it was a big hit. It was 20 people, 20 million people were watching a show or 15 million people were watching a show. And it was one of those shows that kind of like just try as it might. It never, you know, broke through the mainstream in a huge way or as much as it deserved. Uh, but the, well, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. The ambitiousness of it people kept talking about it mm-hmm. when they were saying, has he met the mother yet? Like I've seen a couple episodes of it. I like it. Has he met the mother yet? And I felt like by the end of the show, it was such a colossus because maybe not everybody watched every single episode mm-hmm. every single time, but everybody had seen it and everybody was kind of rooting for Ted. Uh, and it was so to, from where it starts to get to where it was going was really was really impressive. I don't know. I started talking about this five months, five minutes ago, and I can't remember what I was saying when I started. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You you were just saying that it was a very ambitious show. Um, oh, did its, I say for that? It, for its oh, I did genre. say that, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ambitious was the word I yeah, used. Uh-huh. Oh, I think I remember saying that five or six times, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, I will say it is one of those, um, for being a sitcom, it's one of few where I don't feel like I just want to pop in on em- any episode. Like now no. that I've seen it all, definitely, like I can just pop in wherever. It doesn't matter. But it's one of very few that we're pretty serialized, um, uh-huh. that it really matters if you'd seen what happened before it. Like... You'd miss an inside joke. You didn't. Exactly. You weren't introduced to that character, the fat guy from Lost, who I swear to God, he's not in that show. Oh my God, he totally is, and he's great. <laughs> I forgot what he's called, though. Dang it. Oh. But it's where... And he's um, all over the finale, and it's like, things even worked out just great for the fat guy from Lost. And it's like, I've never seen him before. The Blitz. Blitz, Okay. You don't remember that? Okay, so I don't it's remember where this at all. if he leaves the room, the guy who plays oh, Lost, if he awesome leaves the room, happens. something awesome happens. And so they, they're like, he's the Blitz. <laughs> was, did he Blitz in one episode or was there like 10 Blitzes that happened? Um, He he did the Blitz thing in one episode, but then it was um like somebody else became the Blitz because they, like I think Ted became the Blitz because he wouldn't go out. And so, like, all this crazy stuff happened, and they're like, oh, and then they started calling him the Blitz, and he's like, screw this, no, and, like, he's trying to ditch the title, and, you know, eventually sheds it. So the episode that captured me on the airplane was Nothing Good Happens After 2 a.m. I love that, and I think it is a great 
thing to just put into your life. Like, I, I still think it's maybe midnight, not 2 a.m. for me, but <laughs> nothing good definitely happens oh, after 2 a.m. For you. For me personally. In the show, it was 2 a.m., right? Oh, yeah, no, Is no. that the one where they end up in Jersey? No. No, it's the one where Ted does something terrible to Liberty Victoria. Bell? That was great, though. Liberty Bell, <laughs> yeah. Licked the Liberty Bell. Was that in that one? I don't think so. Okay, I don't remember. No. But that was the one. So it was like there was the episode that finally... It, Sorry, not that it finally captured you. If you dedicated yourself to it and said, I want to watch the show, and you were introduced to it in the pilot and got absorbed, I didn't see the pilot. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to. I liked the idea, and I just missed it when it first, you know, when it premiered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but as time went on, it, the show just kind of became inescapable mm-hmm. because I feel like the premise was so strong because it was... Because it did have such an arc, and it was so ambitious, it, it was so surprising to people that, wait a second, he hasn't met the mother yet, though? Like, the entire series is about me? But when's he going to meet her? It was fascinating at the time. It was, like, just such a, it was such a cool idea. It really was, yeah. And you were just on this journey with him. Yeah, and I think it's nice because it's, um, it kind of... I don't know. You and I have been talking a lot mm. about, you know, people are in such a rush to settle down and do the thing. Mm. And it's, I really liked that so much of the story happens without his, the love of his life, that a lot of it really is just Ted discovering yeah. who he is um, and Oof. taking the time to do that. So um, it was really nice to see he's ambitious to do it. He's ready to do that thing or so he thinks. Mm. Um, and that as he's pursuing it, he just develops who he is as a person to be ready for that. Good point. Cause he is so boyish at the beginning of it. Oh my and God, it's just like, yeah. I'll give up anything. I love you, Robin. I love you. Which is what spoils it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he's him and Robin is, is going to happen. She's strongly signaling. Yeah. There She's was got her signal. hazards on <laughs> boom, 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 boom. The signal is out. And <laughs> and then he blows it. And I forgot until we watched it again. I thought it happened. I thought the like were I just thought more came of it. And I forgot it was just such a disappointing letdown that oh. And then he blew it yeah. because he's a stupid young guy who just wants somebody to fall in love with him so bad that he just blows it. Yeah, he doesn't say I love you once, but twice. <laughs> she gives him the olives, and she's like, "Here, you came for these." He's like. I love you. Ah, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no. Uh, What happens to all Robin's dogs as the show goes on? uh, Sitcom moment. (laughs) They just sort of, ah, yeah. No, there is an actual reckoning with the dogs. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's Ted's fault. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Later on in the show, that's what happens with the dogs? Oh, yeah, totally. You don't remember? Oh, yeah. No, I don't. It's kind of nice having binge everything, and now I have all of the answers. You ask a question, and I can remember it. Yeah. Are we, is this really a spoiler free zone? Is that the show? Uh, Do you want to, our show? I I suppose. I mean, this is 10 years old. I know. And I'm talking about the finale. That's a good point. (laughs) You know, I would say this one's probably safe. We've probably spoiled this, you know, we've already kind of, uh, you know, opened that door, opened that can of worms. So. I think with something where it's, uh, you know, something smaller, like a sci-fi only you or I have seen or, mm-hmm. you know, something pretty small, I guess. Where it's yeah, not we're huge. not spoiling the big ending of How I Met yeah. Your Mother, which is that Robin dies at the end. It oh, was really tragic. Yeah. yeah. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> In our spinoff series, <laughs> finales. Yeah, no. Um, so when they are dating, um, he 
So Robin wants him to get rid of everything that he's ever gotten from a girlfriend. No. Um, and then he comes to find out that after he is ready to do that, that she has gotten every single one of her dogs from an ex-boyfriend. And so then he's in his house and or in her house and the dogs are snuggling up with her and he just sees them turn into <laughs> guys and they're like licking her and nuzzling her and he just gets licking really... Licking toes. Oh yeah, he freaks out and yeah, he tells her she needs to get rid of him. Oh my... So, yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, it actually wasn't Ted's best moment. Oh, wow. Plus, they needed to get rid of those dogs to, like, relocate her into the apartment or something. Oh, I mean, yeah, eventually, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) The five, like, for somebody who is a career woman and is never home, the five dogs thing is already so surprising. Mm -hmm. Like, dogs don't do that. She would have everything she owns would be chewed up. Dogs get bored. Yeah, you're right. She wouldn't be moving the dogs around from assignment to assignment with her as she, you know, moves yeah. to a bigger network. It was so impractical. Like I know people want to hold that against Ted, and for some reasons, yes, I I agree. You shouldn't make people change their life or get rid of shit just because you know you want them to. Uh, but at the same time, it was so impractical for her career. No adult woman should have. Well, it was impractical <laughs> for the show too. So oh, yeah. it's it worked. The dogs. The purpose of the dogs were for one joke. Yeah. In the pilot. That's true. So then you got other things you want to do with this character, but she's encumbered by the narrative dogs that Mm -hmm. are just stuck in this story. And it's like a sitcom. The dogs remind me of a sitcom pregnancy or a TV show pregnancy where it's like, oh, God, like was the actress pregnant in real life? So we have to write it in the show? Or is this one of those dumb ones where they think it would be a good idea to tell stories about the pregnancy? And then the character has the baby that you never, ever see again because it's a giant, giant, giant drag on the show. And Mm -hmm. then you just, so it's like, why did we do this? Why do we have this thing here? Uh, Like now we have these five dogs that are going to keep this character stuck because we're never going to show them the show. Like we're never going to show them on screen. So it's one of those things where, oh yeah, so we have a baby that next season will just be five and then we'll just never see him again. That is... The funny one of the funniest tropes though is definitely is the the women being pregnant. It it goes by so quickly mm-hmm. and it's like the second we're done telling the joke about it, she's popping it out. Right. And I always hate it. As soon as especially yeah. when you watch old shows back, it's like uh the part where the character is pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's like the old sitcoms where you have to meet the parents. It's like, oh, it's the meet the parents episode. Can we skip this one and get back to the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, those five dogs had to go. That's all I'm saying. They had to go, yeah. Mm -hmm. Too bad Ted had to be the fall guy for the writers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It did make it sad. It did. Um, But they went to a a farm, her aunt's farm, so she could visit them anytime. Like, he's not the the worst. The farm is just what you tell kids. No, okay, and that, I think, is a joke in it, too, where she's like, no, really, this one was a farm. My aunt runs it with her (laughs) best friend of whatever years, you know, her partner, and they're like, oh, is she a lesbian? No, they're best friends. (laughs) They live together for, like, 25 (laughs) years. And she's like, bing. Oh, Oh. yep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the farm's real. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, so I think you and I Overall, just loved it. Thought it was very successful. Um, we did definitely not talk about it totally on its own, but um, no, we judge it on its. We own. We judge it on its we own. We judge it on its own merit, so that we could, so that we could adhere to our premise mm-hmm. and then uh, take tangents. Yeah, and and we definitely want to take in those tangents because if all we got was the pilot to talk about, 
It wouldn't be as fun, I will say, with the ones you've seen all the way through and you're just stoked about it, <laughs> especially when you know that we're going to come upon a couple of them where we thought the pilot was good and uh, <laughs> turns out upon a rewatch, it was just the show that was good and, yeah. <laughs> and the pilot's real bad. Yeah, or basically unsuccessful yeah. and a, a, a mere shadow of what the show accomplished. Yeah. Because I will say there are a lot of times where I'm like, well, okay, the the pilot wasn't bad overall. It just wasn't a great representation of right. the show. Um, like, I think Gilmore Girls is probably one of them where it's not like, it wasn't a terrible pilot. Like, it got me to watch the rest of it. But it definitely wasn't what this show ended up being mm-hmm. fully. Like, it just wasn't fully realized. Like, they didn't even have, you know, they didn't even have the actual set they were going to use. So, like, so so much changes that it is nice to be able to talk about the show as a whole. Right. Um, well, since we're tangential sure. and we don't need to get into the specifics of the finale, but yeah. but when you compare the premiere to the finale, uh, and it was a long-running show, mm-hmm. not one of those historic long-running 20-season kind of shows. but Oof, too much. Yeah. And then you, that's, you inevitably see the characters changing and mm-hmm. the actors changing uh, on shows like that, but the show feels very familiar still mm-hmm. when you when you watch the finale and then go back and watch the premiere again it's like it really did capture like the it, I, we kind of said this already but it really didn't stray very much Mm-mm. it went it's like it didn't go off the tracks it knew its vision early yeah, the on track, it stayed the, the tr- tracks the were track. long and we accomplished a lot of things we mm-hmm. saw a lot of things along the way but but it was it always stayed on track mm-hmm. never jumped the shark Never. I remember there was a, a season somewhere, a later season, where it felt like, ah, oh, this is kind of a slog. The monkey. There was a monkey episode, and she was, was something about the monkey, some dancing monkey thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's when she's got the hots for her co-anchor at some network she's working at. Oh, yeah. The guy where they say, she says, I don't want a relationship right now. And Dad says, oh, you're so going to be in a relationship. The duck or the, uh, oh, what was it? The duck or the bunny conversation because if you look at the picture one way you see a duck if you look at it another way you see the bunny no it was a story no. that they did about a monkey on the news mm. or maybe okay. that was well no i'm wondering if that's the guy the the because oh. sandy rivers i don't think she was ever into so it's the other guy who shows up not wearing pants to work or whatever yes, i believe it was him okay and and uh, ted says which well, he says i don't want a relationship right now he said oh everybody's saying oh <laughs> as soon as you, when you don't want a relationship, that's when you end up in one. And Ted said, I would so be in a relationship right now if I didn't want one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I that's think all that's one of my favorite things about the show is that um, they very much talk about real relationship stuff. And mm. even if it's not where I would land on it, it definitely generates the conversation every time I watch it, you know? Right. Like, oh, the signal, for example. Yeah. Great example. Like, is there a signal? What does that signal look like? Do you need to wait for a signal? I just love the kind of conversation mm. the episodes generate. Yeah, well, there's no such thing, but as a word, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because it feels like the show is uh, just a long thread of multiple writers, a bunch of inside jokes, mm-hmm. and, and life experiences embellished to hilarious effect for a sitcom. But <laughs> it just feels like all those real life threads and perspectives are are represented. Definitely. So uh, what are we going to do next week? You know, I was wondering, you hate it, so I kind of feel like you got to watch it. <laughs> I love that face you're making. Do you know what I'm going to say? 
Uh, I have an idea, but I don't want to mess with it. So just tell me. I was thinking since it's so similar uh. in a sense, the episode, uh, the the show, the the pilot of Friends. Friends. <laughs> you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and the pilot of Friends is so bad. Really? I think it's You think great. it's great? Oh I see. My God, oh, I need to do so this. It's so good. Okay, I need to hear yeah. that there's a bad pilot, though, because I have this tiny part of me that is so worried that I'm not going to have a pilot that I dislike. Like, I, I just, you, maybe I won't be impartial. Once I force <laughs> you to watch some of the Star Treks. No, that's very true. You'll that's know true. what an unsuccessful pilot <laughs> looks like, which is interesting because I think, well, Gilmore Girls, is a, which you said a minute ago, mm-hmm. was, wouldn't be an example of this, but. Any studio produced show. Mm-hmm. It's like we have a intellectual property here that we want to make money on. Go make a show about it. That's all the examples that I have of in my mind of well, it's probably a good example of an unsuccessful pilot. Wasn't a show that was that was born creatively, but it was like born in a in a testing chamber of what do you call it when like you bring people in to say, Hey, how do you feel about the show? Oh, like a t- oh gosh. And they say I liked it very much. And they say okay, cool. Like Here's a screening. Yeah. Um. And somebody sits behind behind the glass and say, "Have them ask this." And they say, "Okay, well, did you think the show? What do they call that?" Oh, I know this. I've done it before. It was product research. I don't know. Why oh can't I think of yeah, that? market research. It's a market a research, thing. Research. It's like a research study. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I'm going to think of it on the car that. ride home and it's going to bother me and I'm not going to be able to add it in but so we're just going <laughs> to we're just going to live with the fact that I don't know what the word is right now. All right. Maybe I'll it'll be our corrections <laughs> in our next episode. I thought of it. Right, it's called. <laughs> I mean, I'm digging deep it's like and a I'm test really market. It's a yeah. it's a yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Like I'm looking in, I'm seeing myself in my brain like opening up doors like did I leave it here? Did I leave it under here? Surely it's got to be here. It's like, what do you keep looking for? You don't remember what it is. Just let it go. Move on. We're still talking about it. You're still talking about it. Like, if I keep talking about it one of these days, I'm just going to open the right door and just sort of stumble in it and be like, oh, yeah, it's market research. See? Nope. Got nothing. <laughs> no, I have to say, there is something to it, though. If you give it a certain amount of, like, you just have to not let it go for a minute. And then just totally forget about it. Blurt it out. And the weirdest thing is your brain just keeps working on it. You'll ah, think about it while scenes. you're eating something, like eating dinner randomly. You're like, or, you're like oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> this is what it was. Yeah, I'm sure that like before I fall asleep, I'll be like, oh, here was the thing. <laughs> Please text me. You're not going to look it up the second I leave? <laughs> we always have research. They have the internet now. <laughs> they have the internet. Somebody's already written like 15 comments on it. Like, you dumbasses, it's called this. Uh, It'll be our incentive. And you didn't even get into the (laughs) the hero's journey. (laughs) Um, We probably won't either. All right, friends, I'll accept friends on the next one. Now, here's what I've been thinking. We're going to do friends on the next one. Sure. I've been thinking Mm -hmm. that I am really all about Yellowstone right now, which you've not seen. Okay, yeah, I haven't he- I haven't even heard of it. And I'm trying to get into Black Sails right now on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. So going through classic shows that there's an audience for, you know, we need to do a lot of episodes like that. Definitely. You know, pilots. However, there's shows that are trending now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be, I'll be curious to see how we end up making these decisions. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll just kind next. of depend on what we're feeling, honestly. Okay. Well, we'll consider those seeds planted. 
Yeah. So completely off the the track of what we watched and what we plan to watch homework wise. What have you been watching? I'm just out of curiosity. Yellowstone. <laughs> okay. Who's so back on it? Yellowstone is it's on the Paramount Network, which I I don't think anybody has if you're not like an actual grown up. Um, yeah, I've never. Yeah. It's Kevin Costner and just one of those classic Kevin Costner greats. It's really a modern western. He's Kevin a, Costner in a TV show. Mm-hmm. That's weird. But it's one of these really beautiful high end mm-hmm. shows. No, it'd have to be. I think they shoot it in Utah, but he's a he's a rancher in Montana, around Bozeman, I believe, uh, and he owns like a three thousand or twelve thousand acre ranch. Uh, and he's just getting it from all sides that people are trying to take it from him. And it's really interesting because you'll watch it and think, yeah, man, like defend your land. Like they have no right. Like these, these, uh, developers who are trying to imminent domain your, you out of your land. It's like, stick it to them. And everybody's saying, dude, just, just make a deal with us. Like, just give us this chunk. Just give us that chunk. And it's, he, his view is really simple. Like I promised my dad that this land has been in the generation in the family for seven generations. Uh, we'll hang on to this forever and uh, like over my dead body. And, uh, and then you have the, the, the tribe uh, who's, they're targeting the land for, okay, we're going to go build a, a Indian casino on it. Oh, that's fun. But realistically, they just want their native land back. So mm-hmm. on one hand, you look at it and you go, stick it to them. It's your land. And then you listen to the Indian guys talk about it. And they say, Hey, actually it was ours before you stole it from us. And you go, Oh damn, this just became morally way more complex <laughs> yeah. than I wanted it to be. I just <laughs> wanted an old school Western. So the moral dilemmas in it are really interesting. The characters are great. And I think they get better and better. Um, and it's, and it's just such a pretty show. Like you've never really seen a show that's quite so romantic about like ranching life. Which, like, at the end of every episode, you look at it and you think, oh, this is what I want for myself. It's like, really? You want to go be a cowboy? You want to work your ass off that hard every day? It's like, okay, probably realistically, if no. this, if I was cut out for this, I'd be doing it already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, right. but it's so beautiful, and I love it so much. What have you been watching? Um, You know, um, Colby Smolders actually did one called Stumptown, which I did not know was a nickname for Portland, Oregon. Um. <laughs> Because it was kind of an up and growing area, so that they had to cut down trees everywhere, so there were stumps everywhere. Weirdest thing in the world, and I didn't realize that was <laughs> actually a real thing. But um, it follows her as a um, private investigator, so she gets a job there, and she's working um, with people on the Indian reservation, which is where kind of her um, romance guy or romantic figure he died, um, and kind of you kind of come in on that, and she's. Um, ex-military, so she's got some PTSD. She's, she's badass. Yeah, she, Colby Smulders always plays like she's, a very independent badass. Um, I would watch basically anything she's in. Like she's hot. She is, and she's yeah. got a very unique style. I will say, I don't think I've ever really seen like she's got a very unique hairstyle. I don't see that replicated <laughs> at all. Like it's not bad by any means, but I just I don't see people wearing it at that length at that style ever. Like it's just a very signature What's, thing. It is. Yeah, it's just like this weird. I don't know. Was it like that in How I Met Your Mother? Oh, oh yeah. It's always how she has her hair. She doesn't really do a whole lot of other hairdos. Because she... Well, what is it? It's just kind of down, it's isn't the, it? It's down, but it's... I don't know why I'm gesturing. Nobody will be able to see this. Um, well, <laughs> you're trying to explain it to me. Sure, sure. Um, so it's, you know, above <laughs> her shoulder. It's kind of... Um, it's a light wave, but not like a full-on curly. See, I think she's got that sort of girl-next-door thing going mm-hmm. on. 
Um, even though she's Canadian. Uh, Robin is. I don't know if Colby Smulders. Oh, Smulder I was just going to ask you if, if Colby <laughs> Smulders is no, as I well. I, I occasionally feel like I catch a little bit of, um, you know, the Canadian accent yeah. from her. But I also <laughs> don't know if I'm just like really trying to hear it because I think she's Canadian. Now I need to know. Well, the thing about her is I remember there was a period of time where I would see Marshall doing some other movie or show. And you'd see Lily in something. and uh, Jason Siegel. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, I've never seen a ton of Ted outside of How I Met Your Mother. I, I have heard that he does a lot of um, smaller movies, mm, indie, okay. indie movies, yeah. and more, more like artistically challenging movies. I think he directed something. So, uh. so I don't think he lacks any work. I don't yeah. think it's that. I think it's it's a matter of taste and preference, and just mm-hmm. not things I've seen him in that a sure. lot of. But I always remember looking at Robin, thinking, "Man, she hot! Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of everybody's just sort of dream girl oh, next yeah. door," and. Then and she was one that I also felt like I didn't see her in other things after how I, uh, other than how I met your mother and I remembered always thinking I like I would like to mm-hmm. like I like I hope she does and and have this weird feeling of do people not see her as the leading woman that I see her as I think and then the boom she is... shows up in Marvel and I was just gonna say yeah. you don't watch Marvel is the issue <laughs> no 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 but I'm aware of it. There was a period of time where, yeah. where I didn't see a whole lot of her, and then she was in Marvel, and I was like, "Oh damn!" They know she's people know, <laughs> yeah, people know she is smoking. And then I've, there's not been any lack of her ever since. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, right. And I haven't seen a lot of Lily since. Have you? No, I haven't. Um, and I'm I'm definitely interested to see what else she's in now that you. Well, maybe it. she's listening. Hey, Lily, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> love to have you on the show someday. Uh, I have to say, her character, Lily's character, is definitely very similar to Willow in Buffy. That it's and a very, it very much. And what? Uh, American Pie. I don't remember. I don't. I'm not a movie person. You know this about me. That. Yeah, I thought I remembered her being kind of dumb and uh, just younger. I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I get enough of a vibe from characters on movies. So like. <laughs> you are such a snob. I am. I really don't like movies. I feel like. Two hours is not long enough to for me to feel like I know the characters and believe their mission, their drive, or you know their story. I don't believe in two people falling in love and you know having issues and then resolving them in two hours. Like I just I don't like nothing. There's nothing compelling to me about that. Like it might be funny, but I can't. I don't know. I'm just not interesting to me from a storytelling perspective. I care too much about the characters and I want to see all of their flaws. I don't want to be told that they have them i want to sh- see them i want i want to be shown them uh that reminds me of <laughs> the breakup with jennifer aniston and that one was good <laughs> what's that guy's name uh vince vaughn vince vaughn yeah okay uh and here's these two characters that are going to have some issues mm-hmm. and have the breakup and in the sick the trailer it was like a really funny Mm-hmm. looked really funny. And then I remember watching the movie with my parents and I was like, oh my God, it's just like watching your guys at home. Like, yeah. this is just so s- sad. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, this just feels like a real relationship that's having a really kind of strained, hard time right now. And I, was, I don't know why I brought that one up. Just that's what, it, what you were saying reminded me of. I've yeah. never been able to watch it again. It was like, why would I want to watch that shit? Like, that just felt like two people actually breaking up and it sucked. I yeah. just felt bad for everybody the entire time. Well, and spoilers, they don't get back together. Like, that was, yeah. su- it was such a surprising thing, I will say, for a rom com to not have a happy wasn't ending. A was it not? It was totally a com for me. I totally I thought it was. It was. was no. it not? I, I, don't, I remember long scenes of, I'm unhappy with you. I could swear that was supposed to be a rom com. Let me look. I think it was, it was marketed as a rom com for sure. 
we're Googling something. Oh, it totally does describe. Well, it's been so long since I've uh, looked into it that I'm like, shit, am I just remembering something really dark and sad as being funny? Like, I don't know. It'd be the trailer was funny. There was a thing where she's walking around the apartment naked. And it's like, oh, we might get to see Jennifer Anderson naked, which didn't really happen. Mm-mm. And I think she has she doesn't she doesn't have it in any of her contracts. I don't think there's anything where you see her naked. No, I think you're right. Um, but Sandra and, Bullock, and, though, very close to in the proposal, which actually was a good movie. Damn it. OK, so there are some movies that break my rule. But for the most part, I am not. Excited I think the about point is you, you just don't get excited. Oh, it's the getting to know you period. Yeah. A movie is like the two longest hours of the TV show that generally it's like, okay, once we get through this part, mm-hmm. we're really going to be in the show. Yeah. We don't need to get reintroduced to everybody every time and like reset the framework of the rules. TV's just gotten so good over the years. Mm-hmm. Like in our lifetimes and our like our generation, the TV that we kind of grew up with, you watch the traditional model fall out of vogue and get into the streaming services, and it'll just never be the same again. And it's so good. So, you know, shows that used to be 24 episodes on on a smaller budget are now 10 episodes with the same budget and all the money thrown into there. You don't have any bottle episodes anymore. You don't have any of the fat. You don't have any of the filler. And, uh, and and, And they've become... Good TV has become great cinema and like excellent literature. Yeah. So it's it's hard now. I have the same problem. You want to sit down and start a show or, or start a movie? You want to watch a movie? It's like I don't know. I got like four shows that I need to give some serious attention to. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and then you put in that time investment, and then you're never gonna see those fuckers again. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's not like next week I'll see what they're up to next. It's well, like. Well, that's it, unless there's a cash grab, right. in which case you probably don't want to watch it anyway. In which case we'll be jumping the shark. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Notice that there was not a Charlie's Angels 3, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or a Fantastic Four 3 in any of the various remakes. Oh, yeah, that was... Mm-mm. Yeah, that was bad. So... TV's breaking new ground right mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. Cinema isn't. I mean, movies aren't. Yeah. Especially the way that the uh, the business of television and the business of film has changed. The business of film has, has been, it's all about now popcorn. And and I remember seeing Transformers 3. I was mm-hmm. asleep through most of it because I'd you know, seen it all before. And we're flying around the is sky. Is that the one that Megan Fox is not in? Correct. That's why you were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we're flying around the sky and things are exploding and it was like, you know, in my eight year old, nine, 10 year old little fanboy conscious that wanted to make a movie, mm-hmm. that was the movie where we're yeah. f- like flying around the city streets and blowing up buildings on a big scale. And then by the time we were at Transformers three, 10 years ago, I was like, Ugh, are we doing this again? Yeah. It's like, is there going to be a big shiny light thing that goes into the sky and brings like a swarm of Lord of the Rings orcs to fly around that are aliens in this one like which variation of this have i already seen uh and then you look at television you go oh man like what a like what a sweeping epic that we're that we're looking at right now so it's breaking new ground when film's not yeah something about long-form storytelling it's doing good yeah i will say i have noticed a lot of um well, now that Marvel's done making movies, who knows what the future Are they? Movies. I mean, I think at least There's as another far as phase the, coming. Is there? They're getting X-Men back. 
Oh, that's right. Okay, so as far as like the regular MCU, everything that's been going on, the current stories that have been told are coming to an end because you know they were. I think we're going into phase four. They're calling it. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Well, then never mind. I'm really excited about X Men. I really love the X Men. <laughs> no, I like X Men, but you know, I probably always liked X Men because they weren't Marvel versions of X Men. <laughs> I actually really hated the. Was it Fox that did the other ones? I don't know. Yep. They were 20th Century Fox. Bad. They were really X-Men? bad. Yeah. Like, I really like... They were all pretty. Of them? They were pretty, Do you but... Think all of them were bad? Yes. All of them. One, two, three. They castrated Rogue. I'm sorry. They made Rogue the worst character. And she was, she was like the Jubilee... Okay, have you oh, seen the animated... Fair. You've seen the animated series. When I was growing up. Okay, you remember Jubilee. The annoying yellow raincoat. She could sp- shoot sparks. I remember... The name Jubilee and people talking about the they character. Ma- okay, she's whiny. She's supposed to be your audience surrogate in the animated series. Define that for our audience. So <laughs> she's the person who kind of introduces you into the rest of them. She's the newcomer. Um, so we get to learn from her point of view, um, you know, what the show is about, who this group of the X Men is. Jubilee. Jubilee. Okay. Um, so um, the personality, Jubilee's personality in the animated series was very annoying. She's very whiny underwhelming she's the youth that just doesn't get it mm. and they made rogue into that who is like my favorite character in the x-men oh they like made they combined rogue. A, because rogue's the audience surrogate in x-men mm-hmm. interesting and they just made her like the biggest weenie she wanted to get rid of her powers which like i totally get why you know she can't touch a man without nearly killing him i get that but at the same time they just they go about it in a way that makes her just a total weenie and i hated it i, I hated it i thought she was a more effective audience surrogate than you do. Uh, I don't think she's ineffective as an audience surrogate. It's okay. It's a complete bias as oh, far they, as they, I they, love the character and they ruined the character. They spoiled Rogue. So it's truly an X-Men fangirl thing. Like oh, okay. if I hadn't seen so any she, other X-Men thing, this would be fine. Jubilee had a really good role in X-Men, in other words. Unfortunately, she was mistitled as Rogue. yeah she did okay i mean yeah it was just a whiny that was the best version of jubilee that you've ever seen what was the worst version of rogue the worst version of rogue yeah Yeah. (laughs) seeing her as you know somebody with actual powers rather than well and then by (laughs) by the third one they really didn't know what to do with her yeah i I just realized the gal who plays um rogue in the movies is sookie from (laughs) true blood I did not make like I literally just saw it and was like, "That's where I knew her oh, from." Oh, you didn't know that? No, <laughs> sorry, I just rewatched. Oh, True that's Blood. how much you don't like X Men. Yeah, I really don't like it. Like, um, I she, love X Men. I don't like the 20th Century Fox or whatever. I did not like that version. I grew up on you know the animated series. I've read some of the comics. Like seeing this version of it actually hurt me a lot. It was pretty. I liked seeing it in live action. I mean, like there are things that I came just. Knowing that it's it's a different thing. So. There's a lot of letdown that happens mm-hmm. in the X Men uh, movie franchise, <laughs> but when they did um, Days of Future Past, oh, that's true. And I said this out of order, and I know that, but uh, Days of Future Future Past and uh, um, First Class. First Class was so good. I thought First Class, I... and they were they went. They were so committed to the 1960s thing, and I thought they did a great job with it, and it was a really epic story. It was really well-paced, uh, and it was... I think it's a standout, because I actually genuinely think it's the best X-Men movie of the modern franchise. 
thinking about it, you're totally right. I was thinking of the very early ones. Um, the later ones are actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. I liked the one with the time traveler guy. Um, Cable, I think. Um, that was good. I li Yeah, I liked the newer stuff. And I really liked the um, getting to see uh, Charles Xavier before the wheelchair. Kind yeah. of like what led to that, I guess, was kind of cool. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I really didn't like Rogue's story in the original one, two, three. Um, like those were just, it was just painful to watch. Right. Well, we're all over the place now, so uh. you know what? We came in here promising tangents. We've gossip. We've we've talked about all sorts of shows that we like. If you didn't find something in there you liked, you know, listen again. We'll get five, six other shows in our next episode. If there wasn't something here that interested you, you're not really a nerd. Yeah, find a different podcast. This isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to recommend us to anyone else though who might have nerded out about such topics. You know, there's some nerd listening right now saying, well, hell with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> these guys humiliate fandom. <laughs> they are not one of us. Uh, you know, each nerd is a special butterfly. And those so. are the ones that give all of us a bad name. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you again. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. You can be a big fan of something, but to make it where it's, you know, if you're going to be a competitive fan about it, it really takes away the joy of the thing. Like, you know what I mean? When they have no joy in it. Well, I watched I mean, some. I watched. A, I list. I read a Star Trek fan mm -hmm. uh, in a review of Star Trek Picard. Sure. Said that he felt as if he had been raped because his uh. expectations weren't met on some nerd thing. He said, "I felt as though I had been raped." Because it was not Trekky the way he wanted it to be Trekky. And you read something like that, and of course everybody was offended by it. Thought, really? That this is the same to you? This disappointment of your childhood nerd thing is the same to you as it's being a consent raped. metaphor. Yeah, I just don't see where the <laughs> metaphor. Like, I just, I don't know. Well, that, I just I'm mean, all about being outrageous. Don't get the, me wrong. That's but... the nerd that it's like, okay, like, you're not even fun to nerd with. Yeah, it's it's more fun to have the conversation. I'm okay with being wrong on it. And I want to hear why you think I'm wrong on it. <laughs> but man, if you're just going to hate something to hate it, like there's just no room for that, mm -hmm. I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have too much of that going on in the world right now. Right now. Screw that. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, join us for episode two of Pilots when we review Friends. <laughs> it'll be fun i'm sure that uh, there may be a huge disagreement on this one and i hope that is the case it's because friends is massively overrated it's probably the most overrated show in history overrated show but i will say its pilot is riveting like of all the episodes it is one of the better it it's so bizarre to go back and watch uh 90s stuff jennifer what's her name aniston yeah jennifer aniston act <laughs> I don't know if I want to unpick that for me. <laughs> she's Does she not really, act anymore? She's, no, no, no. She's okay. really bad in it. Like, oh, is she? Like, when you go back and watch the pilot, I've seen it one time. I'd never uh -huh. seen it before. I had an ex-girlfriend who <laughs> woke up from a night terror, all terrified. Mm -hmm. And uh, and as we were trying to coax her through it, uh, it was, okay, let's unwind for a little bit. Let's watch uh, something. What do you want to watch? So she had a really bad spell there for a second, mm -hmm. and I was willing to accept anything. And then we watched Friends, and it's like, okay, well, I'm probably wrong about this. Everybody else loves this show. Seems unlikely that I'm the only one that has a more sophisticated palate, so I must be wrong about this, right? <laughs> um, 
No, I felt the same, but that I always do. But uh, to go back, she really, yeah, she was weak in that. And, uh, and it was like, it's a painful watch. I think it's painful. Really? Yeah. Man, I'm excited to see it again. So uh, maybe I'll be wrong and maybe uh, those rosy tinted goggles will be coming off. Yeah. Um. Right. So come back next time for a little bit of torture porn. <laughs> Um, and do your homework. Watch some friends. Grieve through the pilot of friends. I don't know. Maybe I am wrong. You know, I got an expression I like, which is never underestimate your own ability to be wrong. I like that a lot. Pretty sure I'm right about the friends thing, though. But we'll see. You might be. I'll, I'm open to that. <laughs> I'm I'm open to it. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> All right. See you then. All right. Signing off. <laughs>